0: Just a heads up before we begin this episode, the Baron of Botox deals with difficult topics, including depression and suicide. It is not recommended for young audiences. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for information on resources for anyone who is suffering from depression or suicidal thoughts. Let's begin the show. It's been nearly five years since Dr. Brandt took his own life, but his ghosts are everywhere. I often wonder if walking down Fifth Avenue, which he liked to do in an oversized faux fur jacket while humming the Dr. Chivago theme, no less, would now feel like being in a funhouse. He would spot versions of himself hailing calves, taking selfies, and admiring their faces in the high-end store windows. And I see his invisible hand, in the sculpted and plumped-up faces on screen and in magazines and all around me. I was recently in the locker room at the gym in New York when I spotted a woman who appeared to be wearing no makeup. Her eyelashes were jet-black and long, extensions. The flesh of her lips was pink and swollen, pillowing out over the natural lines of her mouth. Her baseline, her sweaty, no-makeup, post-gym face, had been optimized, And I had so many questions. Did I notice, because this is the kind of thing I've been training myself to notice? Or do we all notice, at least at first, and then our eyes just adjust? Do humans have an innate ability to override the uncanny? And if we do, what happens next? Do we all just move on to Humans 2.0? Of the many people I heard from during the course of making and airing this podcast, a plastic surgeon named Dr. Carlos Wolfe was probably the most unexpected. He contacted me via LinkedIn, and I was primarily struck by the frankness of his message. He wrote, I was the other doctor doing Botox in Miami at the time of Frederick Brandt. I considered myself the anti-Fred look. He goes on to say that he would ask his patients, presumably to deter them from seeing the competition. You wouldn't go to a fat cardiologist, would you? I googled him and found some pieces he's written for a recurring column in the Miami Herald called Plastic Surgery 101, including one titled, Too Many Frozen Faces and Distorted Buttocks? We've Got to Curb the Injections. I had to talk to the anti-Fred.
1: I've been in Miami since 1988, so it's been a very interesting ride. I think he and I had, he might have had the first and I might have had the second account with Allergan in Miami. So I'd been doing it for a long time. When we started doing Botox, my feeling was I like movement. His view was it was a more aggressive approach. I like people to look normal, my, my, you know, look natural.
0: Dr. Wolfe says he first started to notice the disorienting effects of prolonged tinkering in his peer set. And then a sort of trickle-down effect as doctors enamored with these procedures continued to grow their practices and their influence. In the words of Ernest Hemingway, the slip toward the distorted happened two ways, gradually, then suddenly.
1: I mean, I've been at a table with colleagues that I've, I'm not a dermatologist, but I've been at a a table where I'm with colleagues that I ask, where are they? And they're sitting across the table because they look so bizarre. You know, it's it's crazy. Couldn't recognize them. They have so much filler that they just look like avatars and like uh, people that they're not. It's almost like a new version of what a human should look like. What happens is you start getting injected and, you know, in your brain more seems better. So the more you get, the better you think you look. And so I often tell people that they really should take a picture of themselves before they start on this journey because they don't recognize sometimes that what they're doing is really distorting. I think now we have sort of a distortion of what beauty is. But the one funny thing that happens all the time, at least in my practice, because I've been doing this now, this is my 31st year in Miami, and I still get, you know, a lot of my patients come in and they want to have some filler, but they say, I don't want to look like all those people or, or some of my friends. Because, and I say, well, do you ever tell your friends that? And they go, oh, no, no, I would never do that. Well, I tell people they should, you know, I mean, if you're really good friends with somebody, you should actively say you're doing too much. You don't look. You you know, you don't look like you should. You look weird.
0: From Imperative Entertainment, I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox, Episode 10, New Normal.
2: Let me get my earbuds in because that might be better. And let me just also go in.
0: Emily Doherty is a longtime beauty expert and the former editor-in-chief of New Beauty, a quarterly publication that focuses on women in their 30s, 40s and 50s a demographic more likely to consider surgery and in injectables than millennials or Gen Zers. Emily first started seeing Dr. Brant around 2004 to clear up her rosacea and sun damage left over from a childhood of skiing. As the years went on, he began to administer a little injection here, a little injection there.
2: It was 2000, around 2011 or 2012, and we we're trying to look back at all these Polaroids of me to figure out, like, when did he, like, hit peak anti-aging for me. I looked younger than when I had first started seeing him in 2004.
0: Emily and I also worked together at Elle. I have this vivid memory of the two of us being alone in the office after Hurricane Sandy hit. Such a defining moment in so many New Yorkers' lives and feeling so drawn to her tender energy. I wanted to talk to Emily for a lot of reasons, including these lipstick-smashing videos for which she has accumulated nearly 100,000 Instagram followers. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I don't blame you. Emily makes these mesmerizing shorts where she blends two lipstick bullets, the part of the lipstick that's actually makeup, using a tiny little spatula. Later, glossy publications like Vogue India would call them ASMR beauty videos, those internet-loved clips that some people say make them feel tingly. But I think she started because she loves how the beautiful colors blend. Beauty editors can be weird like that.
2: And I got so much hate because people are like, you're wasting lipsticks. I got, it was almost like people would put their comments through Google Translate and then send them to me because I got things like, you effing mother effer. I, you know, like, I defecate on the four banners that light the graves of your ancestors tombs and I was like whoa you know I got I got like joking death threats I'm going to come kill you for what you've done for, to these lipsticks meanwhile you had all these like hype house type guys like ruining iPhones and nobody's like oh why are you wasting iPhones you know like I wasn't actually even ruining the lipsticks I was just transferring them from the bullet into a pot and recording the process And meanwhile, there were people actually wasting and destroying things, running things over with trucks and not getting death threats the way that I was getting death
0: threats. Again, these were lipstick videos, but these topics, vanity, beauty, aging, consumerism, they inspire rage.
2: I've covered the the beauty wellness aesthetic beat since 1995. Uh, I was lucky to get into it in the early days. Very much inspired by the what Linda Wells had created at Allure. Um, I think before Allure came out, there wasn't anybody really looking at beauty through the lens of like, what does this mean to us? What does beauty mean sociologically? And you know, I when you look at how humans evolved, we wore makeup before we wore clothes. There's still this lizard brain thing that kicks in that causes women to judge women, men to judge women, just this, this overall judginess. And when it comes to the aesthetic beauty space, you're layering in um, that these procedures are often not, you know, they're, they're not cheap, so they're expensive. For me, it was a really interesting experience in what I called like the social part of the social media that the rage came from a very valid point. People were angry about something in their lives and didn't feel like they had any place to, you know, that felt unheard. Nobody is listening. Nobody. They can't change anything. But look at this idiot who's who's wasting her dad's money on lipstick.
0: As an editor, Emily didn't shy away from the emotions, both negative and positive. Behind the impulse to change the way we look, in fact, one of the things she did at New Beauty was create a section dedicated to surgery befores and afters. Where else would women get to see a gallery of dozens of natural breasts or thighs dotted with cellulite or stretch marks?
2: I wanted to show women more of the befores because we live our lives only seeing afters on you know the big screen and think perfection all the time, and we don't really know. Many, many women don't really know what other women's breasts look like. Uh, What I heard from readers was like, wait, I looked at all of these breasts. I felt like my breasts actually look pretty good. So I don't actually think I need uh, an augmentation right now. But just, again, putting the information out there without saying you need to be fixed. It's very easy when you're talking beauty to you second person. like You can do this to get rid of that. Or this is how you can do this. Or this is the fastest way to fix that. But when you have that constant second person of like, this is how you can fix yourself, subconsciously the reader starts feeling very much like she's broken and that there's just everything needs fixing. And beauty becomes almost like a job, like doing the dishes.
0: So now we're here, a distinct moment in time where we suddenly have the ability to wake up and decide, today I'm going to change my face and then go about our lives as if nothing happened. So long, Breakup Bangs. We have now entered the era of Breakup Botox, Rejection Restylane, and PMS perlane.
1: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
3: I'm Jane Marie. I'm the host of The Dream podcast, and I have a podcast production company here in LA called Little Everywhere with my partner, Dan Gallucci. And I do reporting and writing, and I used to be a beauty editor.
0: You're lucky that I have the ability to edit myself out of these interviews because when I connect with Jane Marie, I basically slobber all over my microphone. If you don't know her, Jane's the host of the most excellent podcast, The Dream, which spent its first season gloriously taking multi-level marketing schemes to task. She was also a producer at This American Life for about 10 years and a beauty editor at websites like The Hairpin and Jezebel.
3: Right before the whole Peter Thiel, Hulk Hogan debacle, where they shut everything down, (laughs) about a year prior, uh, Gawker Media
0: decided to try, for the first time ever, a beauty vertical. And in true Gawker fashion... Jane was able to approach the beauty industry with a critical eye and more than just a touch of ornery skepticism. It's the same verve she brings to the second season of The Dream, which challenges the so-called wellness industry. The world of wellness provides just endless
3: opportunities to be really infuriated and perplexed and pissed off and surprised. And, like, there are, unfortunately, with the wellness reporting Um, as opposed to the stuff we did for season one about multi-level marketing. This new season, it's a lot harder to find the bad guy um, because it's it's, it's not one industry. It's not one company or one, you know, there's not one lobbying organization. There's a bunch of lobbies. There's, you know, not one law that makes, you know, really awful things possible. It's a bunch of laws. And so, you know, in a bunch of different companies working on different parts of our body and our lives and our psyche. You know, we promised ourselves a few weeks ago, like, okay, for season three, we're just going to pick something (laughs) more narrow because this has just been such a huge, wide, huge field. I mean, it's like a five trillion dollar industry wellness. And because
0: wellness, this endless quest for a better version of ourselves, is so inherently personal, Jane opened up about her struggles with mental health and a painful childhood trauma and promptly got shit on by commenters. Not to
3: brag, but I've only recently started getting really negative reviews. I was really lucky in my blogging career to um, work at sites where you know the comment section was pretty good at self policing, and um, and everyone was just really nice <laughs> all the time, and um, not necessarily complimentary or anything. I mean, people did come at me every once in a while, but um, because of the show I'm creating now it has such a personal element or I'm I'm talking about myself a bunch, which I don't really love doing. And I'm talking about things that are unpopular, which is like, I'm b- basically the anti-goop, the anti-Gwyneth Paltrow. And that's not super chill right now. I did um, do a bunch of research though about who comments because I was going to give this speech about it at one point. It's very fascinating. It's mostly men. So in nine times out of 10 people are anonymous, and that like doubles the chances that they'll give you an, a negative review. Just the idea of being anonymous. Um, and then on top of that, a huge portion, like the majority of folks have either only read the headline or the brief description of the whatever they're commenting on, or they've only read other comments. They haven't actually consumed the product. Anyway, that all helps me feel better, but it's still not nice. And and because it's personal, people like drag my family into it and stuff. You know, you're a woman on the Internet.
0: Being a woman on the Internet can be challenging. In response to this podcast, I have received a variety of superlatives from anonymous commenters, including cringeworthy, irritating, shallow, self-absorbed and annoying. Jane Marie gets it
3: everyone who's a podcast host is talking about themselves in some way or another. You know, you're a host. (laughs) You're the the center of the show. Um, Everyone also has a voice and has a laugh. And I just think women get picked on for like the tone of voice, the sound of our voice, the, you know, we can't A male podcast host like some like a Joe Rogan is brave and, you know, outspoken and he has his, you know, his really his like well-researched opinions about things. And I think when women um, come out with that same thing, like sort of attitude, it's like obnoxious much, you know, like lady, take it down. Who cares? No one asked you (laughs) is the kind of feedback that I get. Not that trolls have slowed her down too much. I just feel like the more we can talk about this stuff out loud, the less, you know, um, shame people will have and the less alone we feel. I don't
0: like feeling alone in the world with my struggles. She tells me that more and more wellness seems to be an umbrella category for injections, though not in a totally outright way.
3: I mean, I'm finding that um, in a lot of the places where you can have wellness procedures done or, you know, like... Participate in wellness. It's it bumps right up against you know a lot of cosmetic procedures. Um, one of the booking apps that I've been using to get a lot of these wellness services, you kind of scroll through your neighborhood and just see what's available. And it it literally is like Botox, 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 Reiki, and then Juvederm injectables for your cheeks. And then the next one is like an infrared sauna. I mean, a lot of wellness is especially the goop version is really actually about anti-aging and anti-aging is about beauty and beauty is changing because we have
0: all these tools now to freeze our faces. It's at this point in the conversation that I tell her a side effect of Botox I've noticed and rather enjoyed is that my face can't register the full extent of my emotions, which can be big and I'm pretty and basically the opposite of chill. And actually, there's scientific evidence that a limited range of motion in your face can make you happier, or at least less prone to mood swings. A 2010 study, co-authored by Dr. Brandt, found that Botox could be effective in muting the highs and lows of emotional experience. Dr. Wolf calls this the happy factor.
1: I think realistically that when you do Botox and some of these non-surgical treatments, they tend to really animate and make people happier because they feel like, you know, if you're looking in the mirror and you don't look sad or you don't look droopy or you don't look out of it, you do tend to be a happier person. At least in the initial period when you talk to a lot of my patients, they are happier, they feel better, they look better. They, I think they're going to find that it does create some happy factor in it.
0: The Botox happy factor, yeah, it doesn't sit well with Jane Marie. I
3: just have to say, I'm so glad to be able to talk about this with with you, with someone who has a platform like this, because it seriously concerns me. I, we're, I feel it, that it's a sexist tool of oppression, um, and mostly. And I don't want to. I know it's it's this. It crosses gender lines, but but primarily, it it erases female emotion. It deadens female emotion um, not necessarily feelings like we have our feelings still but the, like again the, the ability to emote those feelings um, to completely numb that the fact that that's like attractive um, I don't think is a new idea. I think that way we used to accomplish it in the olden days was by abusing people and I think we've repackaged it like okay, we're gonna get rid of your emotions. Uh, the nice way and take your money at the same time. Um, it's like win-win for those guys um, and lose-lose for us For to me. It worries me because I feel like it is basically putting us in chains in a way, but once again that we pay a lot of money for. I think the industry of cosmetic surgery benefits from and vice versa um, the popularity of wellness. I think, you know, you walk into – any sort of self-care facility or, um you know, place where they offer wellness services on the west side of LA, and you can get a little side of Botox, you know. I think the marketing of wellness has changed a lot recently, partly because of, like, lawsuits, because a lot of the wellness claims, you know, you can't, you can't say something will cure or prevent any diseases, right? So, What does the goal then have to be? Well, it has to be kind of broader than, you know, this will, you won't get cancer. So what's the broadest? Okay, you'll be, you'll live longer and you'll look better.
0: Do you think wellness is a misnomer?
3: I do. Well, in this, yes, I think it's an, because what, like, what's wellness
0: to you? To me, it's not something that you can pay for. It's happiness, right?
3: I have, honestly, since I've been reporting this season and and doing these treatments and services and exploring all of this stuff, I've gotten sick more often than I have in years. I actually, I was hospitalized in the middle of production with influenza B, which then I got a rash at the same time. So they had to quarantine me because they thought I had the measles. I shit you not. And um, I got laryngitis during production, which you can hear on the show. I've just been sick, 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 sick. If I could just go about my day the way I want to, you know, if I wanna, if I could just like sit down and not think about this shit so much, but I'm like thinking about my body
0: constantly. I don't wanna think about my body this much. When I was working on the trailer for the series, I came up with a catchy little tagline Beauty, it's a beast. I didn't realize how accurate that really was. Back in episode one, I asked New York Times reporter Guy Trebey a question. What do you think is the most interesting thing about the Fred Brandt story? I, 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 su- I suppose what, the, degree, the extent to which he emblematizes is something that we don't know how to talk about, which is all of these, uh, all this messed up stuff we feel about ourselves. And he, he, he made himself that emblem, I mean, knowingly or wittingly or not. Dr. Brandt was just one man but the world saw in him a reflection of itself it didn't like. It was too vain, too silly, too strange, too conflicted, too controlling. For something so easily dismissed, beauty, and our never-ending quest to dominate it, is a mighty adversary. Maybe it's just human nature to hate something we can't ever really own. So we ridicule it, We call it names, and yet there it is, smirking back at us in our selfies folder, shining with casual indifference in framed pictures taken long ago, and taunting us as we attempt a 10-step skincare routine some influencer promises will change your life. Like a toxic lover, we seek it out and then denounce it, rinse, repeat. Dr. Brandt may have been Dr. Frankenstein, But we are all, in our own ways, his monsters. If you don't agree with me, I have only one question left. Are you looking in the mirror? Baron of Botox is a production of Imperative Entertainment. It was created, written, and reported by me, Justine Harmon. Executive producer is Jason Hope. Produced and engineered by Shane Freeman, with additional editing from Jasmine Cross and Jason Hope. Original music by Brandon Bush. Barbara Keen is our researcher and fact checker. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. If you like the show, tell your friends and leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Baron of Botox is a ten episode series with new episodes available every Tuesday. Have questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. If you or someone you know is struggling from depression, find local support and more resources by visiting NAMI, N A M I dot org. If you are having suicidal thoughts, you can reach a trained crisis counselor by calling the toll free National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at eight 800- hundred. 273 TALK or texting NAMI, N A M I, to 741 741. You are not alone. Thank you for listening.